From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. About it. We're in, uh, we're in the end, the tail end of, Joseph, of Joseph's journey into Egypt. Uh, Joseph was sold by his brothers to Ishmaelites, and he went to Egypt. He was a servant of the captain of the guard. Then the captain of the guard's wife uh, was desperate for Joseph, and he turned away her advances. So he got through, thrown in prison. Uh, but because he was in prison, he met the cupbearer of the king and the baker of the king. And because of that prodigious uh, encounter, then uh, he ended up going in front of Pharaoh to listen to Pharaoh's dream. So Pharaoh told Joseph what the dreams were, and Joseph told Pharaoh that the dreams meant that he had seven years of great crops and then seven years of famine. And so Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of this whole uh, pandemic, if you will. So during the seven years of harvest, Joseph stored up all the grain, took a fifth of all the grain, all the harvest, and put it in storehouses. And then when the famine came, not only did that grain feed all of Egypt, but there were other people in the land that heard that Egypt had grain, that they had done this wonderful thing. And so they decided to go to Egypt to see if they could find food. And I've mentioned this before, but uh, it, it probably was a drought um, that, that came into the land. We're having a drought right now in Tucson, kind of a what they call the non-soon, N-O-N, non-soon. We normally get all this rain in the summertime. This was one of the strangest summers in the 15 years I've been in Tucson, one of the, the strangest summer. Very, very little rain this summer. And this happens periodically. We know that um, a thousand years ago, there was an Indian tribe called the Hohokams that were living in Phoenix. And uh, they also experienced a severe drought and then they moved out of Phoenix. They dug all these canals and everything to water their crops. But when it, when it was a drought for a period of time, they left and it, you know, it's 2020. So, I mean, why not a drought, okay? We've already had pandemic and, and everything else. Let's, let's just throw a drought in there the same way. They're already having hurricanes, I guess, beyond 26. We're now at Hurricane Beta because they've run out of uh, English letters of the alphabet. So, you know, let's, what's one more thing to throw into 2020? This is, we will be so glad when 2020 is over, we're going to get on your hands and knees and bow down before God and thank him that we got through 2020. Anyway, so, uh, so the Hohokam Indians left uh, Phoenix, and when the new settlers came into Phoenix uh, years ago, they basically just kind of cleaned out the canals that were, that were there already pre-dug by the Hohokam Indians. You can actually go see their runes at 44th Street and Washington. There's the Casa Grande Indian Ruins. Uh, I think it's called the Casa Grande Indian Ruins. Anyway, you can see the Hohokam Indian Ruins. It's really interesting to walk around and see um, right in the middle of the downtown Phoenix or to the east side of Phoenix. And... Um, this is probably one of those things where people had to pick up and leave because without water, uh, there is there is no food. It is it, it can get pretty and, and you need water to survive. You need food to survive. So they heard that there was food in Egypt. So everybody was going into Egypt. Now going into Egypt was Jacob's other sons. Jacob heard that there was food in Egypt, uh, and they were starving. So that's where we pick up the story with Jacob. 
Uh, so the way we left this story is that Joseph is Pharaoh's number two. He's successfully stored up all the grain, and now he's selling all the grain to the highest bidder to make sure everybody has enough food. And now uh, other nations, other tribes are hearing about Egypt's food, and so they're going to Egypt. Let's see what happens. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. So um, it's going to send the 10 other sons. Now, remember that the, the oldest sons, like Reuben, are hotheads. Uh, they've already killed uh, because they were angry that somebody raped Dinah, which is their sister. Um, probably a righteous anger, but they're, they're definitely hotheads. That when they killed um, the person that, that raped Dinah, their sister, it caused Jacob a lot of problems. They had to move out of the land. Um, and so um, J J Joseph, Jacobs decides to send his 10 other sons to go to Egypt to go get food. Who better to go to Egypt but these burly sons who, you know, they don't take nothing from nobody. They're going to go to Egypt. They're going to get food and they're going to come back. But he doesn't send Benjamin. And Benjamin and Joseph are brothers from the same mother, same father, Rachel. And all the other brothers are from different mothers. But Joseph... And Benjamin, our blood brothers, they have the same mother, same father. Uh, Benjamin is the youngest of all of the brothers. Um, he was born pretty much uh, when Joseph was sold into slavery. Um, and so Jacob, who loved Joseph more than any of the other sons, also now loves Benjamin. So he's saying that he's not sending Benjamin because he's too young. But he's not sending Benjamin because Benjamin is the last remaining remnant of his wife, Rachel, who's dead now, gave a birth, gave, died in childbirth, giving birth to Benjamin. So Benjamin's never known his true mother. And uh, so he stays back with Jacob. The other 10 boys make the trip into Egypt. Verse 3, then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin. Right. Because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. Verse 6. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. And as soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he pretended to be a stranger, and he spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. So, oh my goodness. Karma is uh, <laughs> uh, difficult, right? <laughs> they thought they saw the last of their brother Joseph after they sold him into slavery. And I don't know if they felt any regret for selling their brother into slavery. Um, but... Remember, they sold their brother into slavery. They took the coat. They dipped it in blood, gave it to their father. And the father has never recovered. He was in mourning for a very long time, way longer than they expected. 
and the grief was real. Um, it was it was heartfelt. And if the brothers had any inkling of love or compassion at all, they would have told their father the game was up and go back and got the son out of the Midianites. But by then he was already gone. The deed was done. The brothers already a slave somewhere out in the middle of some plantation. Now, when we when we think of slavery, uh, we think of American slavery. Um, but different cultures t treated slaves very, very differently. And some of these ways that they treated the slaves were very, very, very harsh. Um, and uh, it, is, it is quite possible that at this point Joseph's dead, they've forgotten about Joseph, or that Joseph is somewhere toiling away uh, in pain and, and turmoil. Uh, the fact that he got placed at the captain of the guard was really kind of a blessing for Joseph because uh, the captain of the guard had a lot of funds and um, seemed to be well respected in the community of Egypt. But uh, but and then that led to this whole thing about Joseph becoming Pharaoh's number two. I mean, what are the odds of a slave becoming Pharaoh's right hand person? I mean, just think of that: a slave becoming Pharaoh's right-hand person. did, um, And they didn't even have to, because he was a prisoner, you know, poor Potiphar, uh, when he threw Joseph into prison, he lost out on an incredible worker, right? And a brilliant, get-things-done type of guy. Uh, Potiphar's wife is responsible for all this. And uh, now Potiphar sees his slave uh, as the number two person in Egypt. And you know, he probably liked that person in his own household, running his own household, but he gave up, he, he threw him into, you know. It's, it's just amazing how sometimes life just turns around. I've all, I've say this over and over again. If you know me, you know I say this all the time, that if you do the right things for the right reasons, um, God will bless it. Um, if you do the wrong things uh, for the right reasons or the right things for the wrong reasons, they're not as good as just simply doing the right things for the right reasons. And Joseph stayed true to who God created him. Uh, he, he, didn't, uh, he didn't wallow in his sorrow and his pity about where his situation was. Um, he basically took the best of any situation that life threw at him. And when he did, and took the, you know, he didn't, he didn't focus on the past and all the anger and the resentment. He just did where God had placed him. He was the best person he could, and God blessed that. And um, boy, is that a lesson for all of us, right? If we just let God use us in the situation where we are, don't get angry, don't get bitter, don't wallow in the past, but simply move forward. Every day is a new day. Every day is a, a day in the kingdom where God loves you and that he can use your hands and feet to do whatever it is that he's got for you that day. If you can find that centering, that balance, that love, that joy, that peace in your life, um, it's amazing the things that God can do and work through you. Um, and it's amazing the stories that could be told about how God does that. That's just pretty amazing, right? So, um, now Joseph sees his brothers, and he doesn't tell his brothers that he's Joseph. He recognizes immediately his brothers. They don't recognize him. Joseph probably looks a lot different. He was 17 when he left. And I don't know if you know the difference between a 17 and a 27-year-old. They can look totally different. But at that point, when Joseph was sold into slavery, his brothers were 
probably the oldest uh, was maybe 30. And you don't change a whole lot between 30 and 50. You, you know, I mean, you get a little bit older, but your facial structure all the same. But 17 to 27 is a big deal. Um, and so um, it is, it's not unusual that they would come back and not recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognizes his brothers. He looked at every single one of them. He goes, that's Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Naphtali, Issachar, Asher, Dan, Zebulun, Gad, um, Judah. He, he recognizes all of his brothers, but um, they don't recognize him. And so uh, he has the upper hand, and uh, now he has to think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I am the second most powerful person in Egypt. These are the guys that sold me into slavery. And uh, how am I going to treat them? Well, let's find out. Oh, we're from the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Now, although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. And then he remembered his dreams about them. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. No, my Lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. Ha, honest men, my foot. They sold their brother into slavery. Now, I don't think Joseph really thinks that they're spies, but I think he really wants to put them through the ringer. Verse 10. Uh, verse, uh, verse uh, 12, no, he said to them, you have come to see where our land is unprotected. Uh, verse 13, but they replied, your servants were 12 brothers, the sons of one man who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father and one is no more. Ha, ha, the irony of that. We had 12 brothers, one's back in Canaan, uh, one doesn't exist anymore. Now we're 10 brothers. Trust us. We're tw 10 brothers. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, right. 14. Joseph said to them, It is just as I told you. You are spies, and this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison so that your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If you are not, then surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And he put them all in custody for three days. So this is how it's going to play out. There's one brother, by the way, the blood brother of Joseph, that he wants to see his brother. I mean, it is truly his brother. And um, he just wants to lay eyes on him, I think. He just wants to, to see what he looks like. Um, to, I mean, there's a longing to see... He doesn't have a lot of love, I don't think, for the 12 brothers that tried to sell him into slavery. But I think there's, there's something about, you know, seeing your blood relations. He really, really wants to see Benjamin. And I think this is, um, this is why God gives us the commandment to honor our father and mother. Because there's something about family. There's mothers, there's fathers, there's brothers. There's something about family that resonates deeply within each and every one of us. And... Um, to the best of our ability, we should try to maintain relationships with our family. We should uh, keep our, you know, keep um, close to our family. Try to try to maintain that. Uh, the the happiest people, I think, are those who maintain relationships with moms and dads and brothers and sisters and all that sort of thing. And I think the the people who are very unhappy are those who, for whatever reason, 
break off the relationships with their moms and dads and move out and never honor their mother and father. And anyway, that's, that's just my observation. Um, but Joseph now is going to say, you got to go get Benjamin. Well, what happens? Verse 18. On the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. So on the third day, it looks like Joseph is changing his mind a little bit. Uh, He's first saying, send one of your numbers to get your brother and the rest of you will stay in prison. Then three days later, he comes back to prison. He says, listen, let one of your brothers stay here in prison, but the rest of you go and take your grain to your starving household. So now Joseph, I think, is really seeing what kind of men they have turned out to be. Because for sure, if all 11 of them are in prison and one goes back, they have to come back with Benjamin. There's no other way. Jacob can't leave all of his sons in prison. He just can't. But if all of the other brothers but one go, then um, it, the question would be, at what, how is the value of one life in prison to you? Would you be willing to take a risk to, um, would you be willing to kill your brother in prison? I mean, you've got the grain. You could basically go back to Jacob and say, we got all the grain, but it cost us one of us is now in prison. Um, What is Jacob going to do? He's going to go back and find his one lost sheep, the one lost son, or is he going to make the calculator and say, listen, we made it good. We just lost one. It's really a test for Jacob and the brothers. What's the value of one life, right? Um, Will we risk one life to get back one life? That's really what the the whole thing is about. And it's really a clever test that Joseph's put forward because uh, if it had been all 10 brothers in prison or nine brothers in prison, uh, there would have been no choice. Jacob would have had to send to Benjamin. But with one brother in prison, he doesn't have to. And this will really test the character of Jacob and it'll test the character of the brothers uh, and see kind of how life has landed upon them to see what they do. So um, so he, uh, he says... You must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and you may not die. And this they proceeded to do. So what happens? Verse 21, they said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come to us. So according to... um, the other brothers, we are being punished because of what we did for Joseph, to Joseph. That karma is, uh, un, you know, it comes around. And, you know, karma is a concept, Eastern religions, but it's, you know, it, it, a lot of people um, get a lot of joy when, when life comes back, when justice, ultimate justice comes back to you. Um, and that's, that's what they're saying. It's, it's saying we're being punished because of our brother. But are they being punished because is God punishing them because of their brother? Is God pulling the strings to do the things that God wants to do? And I believe that God does pull the strings to do the things that he wants to do. Um, 
And if an Eastern religion calls that karma, they're welcome to call it that. But I call it God's ultimate triumphant justice. Um, so this is, uh, where are we? Yeah, verse 22. Reuben, who's the oldest, replied, Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. And they did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. Ha ha! Oh my goodness. So they're having this argument about this. And they're talking about Joseph. And Joseph is right there. And Joseph speaks Canaanite, right? Uh, He's been in Egypt so long, he also picks up the Egyptian language. But he is fluent in Canaanite. But he doesn't want to let them know, and uh, so he's letting the Egyptian, you know, the interpreter, um, you know, say the important things. But when they're talking amongst themselves, the interpreter is silent, and Joseph is just relishing in this, I think. Just, man, enjoying it to no end. He's finding out, first of all, uh, how they argued among themselves about how, whether or not they should sell him into slavery. Um... They're talking about how ultimate justice has come down. Um, and all of this, uh, Joseph must have really uh, enjoyed it tremendously to listen to his brothers have this argument. And Reuben, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, but you wouldn't listen. And now we have to give an accounting for his blood. So Joseph turned away from his brothers and began to weep. But then came back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. So, um, hmm. Joseph weeps. Why does Joseph weep? Joseph weeps to see his brothers again. Joseph weeps to see how um, God fulfilled the prophecy. Uh, Joseph weeps because ultimately he realizes he did the right thing. Um, I mean, who knows why Joseph weeps, but he does. There's, there's those who weep because of pain, uh, and there's those that weep because they see God's incredible power in the world. Um, they see grace, they see mercy, um, they see love, they see joy. Um, you know, what you weep for tells you a lot about who you are. Um, if you only weep in pain, Uh, then you're missing half the battle because there are also times uh, when you should weep because of the amazing grace and love of God. And that's definitely uh, why Joseph is weeping. Um, Verse 25, Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain, to put each man's silver back in his sack and to give them provisions for their journey. And after this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys and they left. At the place where they stopped for night one, one of them opened the sack to get feed for his donkey and saw his silver in the mouth of his sack. My silver has been returned, he said to my brother, to his brothers. Here it is in my sack. Their hearts sank as they turned to each other, trembling, and said, What is it that God has done for us? So, not only is Joseph going to give him grain, but it looks like Joseph is going to give them the grain for free because they had taken everything they owned, all the possessions. You know, what, are, what good is silver? What good is animals? What good is livestock? What is good is any possessions if you have no food? 
I mean, food is a primary in, in Abraham, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of need, right? Food and shelter are at the bottom. You have to have food. You have to have shelter. If you don't have those two things, nothing else in the hierarchy of needs matters. Um, and so they go and uh, are willing to risk their whole entire possessions to get food. And what does Joseph do? He gives them the food and doesn't even charge them. Uh, he gives them all their silver back. And they, they go one day's journey back to Canaan, and they're opening up to take a look at the food, and they realize that the silver had given, been given back to them also. I mean, what an incredible gift that Joseph does. And they're probably looking like, what in God's name is going on? Um, but their hearts sink, and they turn to each other trembling, and they say, why has God blessed us like this? So that at least they realize that this has been a huge blessing in their life. Um, so, um, well, let's see. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, we'll go one more, one more little bit. Verse 29. When they came to their father Jacob in the land in Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. And they said, the man who is Lord over the land spoke harshly to us and treated us as though we were spying on the land. But we said to him, we are honest men, we are not spies. We were 12 brothers, sons of one father, one is no more, and the youngest is now with our father in Canaan. Then the man who is Lord over the land said to us, this is how I will know whether you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me and take food for your starving households to go. But bring your youngest brother to me so I will know that you are not spies but are honest men. Then I will give your brother back to you and you can trade in the land. And as they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was a pouch of silver. And when they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened. Their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more and Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin? Everything is against me. But then Reuben said to his father, you may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Entrust him to my care, and I will bring him back. But Jacob said, My son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm comes to him on the journey you are taking, you will bring my, grain, my gray head down to the grave in sorrow. So now we have it. Um, Simeon uh, is in prison. Reuben uh, comes back to his father and says, listen, dad, we got to go back with Benjamin. Uh, I know this is strange. We've got this grain, we've got our silver, and we got, it looks like maybe even more. And then none of this makes sense, but we've got Simeon. Simeon is in prison. Um, and, and you have to understand that Reuben is the eldest. And then the second eldest is Simeon. Uh, so you have Reuben and then Simeon. Reuben and Simeon are from the same mother. They love each other. They're, they're blood brothers. They're the oldest. They're like a team, right? Um, they, when, you get a, when you get 12 sons and you try to keep 12 sons managed, Simeon is the oldest, or, or Reuben is the oldest, but then Simeon is like the right-hand person to, to, to Reuben. I mean, they're, they're, not, they're more than blood brothers. They're like co-rulers, right? And one of them's in prison, and there is no way in this world that Reuben is going to let Simeon die in prison. He doesn't care about, well, he, does, he cares about Benjamin. He cares about his father. 
but he wants to go back to to go back to Egypt and spring brother Benjamin or brother Simeon out of jail. And the only way he's going to do that is if he brings Benjamin. So he has to convince his father. He has to convince his father to let him go back to Egypt and spring uh, his brother from jail. So what will happen? We'll have to find out tomorrow. So uh, let's just close in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for the blessings of this day and this week. Continue to fill us with your joy. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen.